It's Cookie Lab. Hi, and welcome to Cookie Lab. I'm Jill. And I'm Chris. And welcome to a very special episode of Cookie Lab. We are trying to be a supportive Cookie Lab this week. And uh, Jill has a very special cookie for us and a very special story as well with lots of supports. Well, I was feeling the need to support Ukraine and I thought we could we could bake a um, traditionally Ukrainian cookie and maybe share some information about that. That's very exciting. You know, Jill, my grandparents were Ukrainian. Oh, wow. I think everybody has some connection to, you know, that part of the world and everybody is feeling uh, all the feels for just the ongoing situation there. Yeah. yeah. So. So we're going to do our little part here. I first found a recipe from Dory Greenspan, who is a magnificent baker based in New York City. And she described it as a Russian-Ukrainian cookie. And she made a reference to a Ukrainian food blogger called Olia Hercules that I didn't know about before. Or she's not a food, but she's a chef. She's a, she's a well, highly regarded food... Oh God, what is wrong with me? Okay. Food cooker. Food, <laughs> food maker. She puts pretty pictures on Instagram. And she's oh, one man. of British Vogue's 25 most influential women. She, oh, is so, she in Britain? Is, 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 she, yeah, is, she, so, is she in Great Britain? Okay. The first recipe that I came upon was for a recipe charmingly called Goosefoot Cookies by oh. Dory Greenspan, who is a New York baker. Okay. And as I read through it, she was referencing a Ukrainian chef called Olia Hercules, who lives in London, but is from Ukraine, does all Ukrainian cooking. And since the conflict over there has been doing tons and tons of support of mobilizing people to get things where they need to go and donations, etc. So she is doing Herculean work. And so I I wanted to search up her recipe thinking this would be the most genuinely Ukrainian. Sure. Which I did. Because because, uh, the cookies have come from many different cultures, right? Right. All those those, authentic. um, Right. I believe the all those, you know, former Soviet socialist republics have many some shared cuisine and Sure. Shared history, etc. Yeah. So these cookies contain something called farmer cheese. Oh, yeah. It's a cheesy cookie. And farmer cheese, I remembered when I saw that in the recipe that I read something earlier this year from Livestrong, which is something that I read to learn about what to eat and what to do to help not get cancer, that farmer cheese is the one cheese that dietitians want you to eat more of. Oh, because it's full of good things like probiotics and, and well, protein. Well, I'm, sh- I'm sure you're going to tell us all about it later, but <laughs> I will tell you that we, growing up, we always had a a slab, I guess I don't know what you would call it, a lump <laughs> of farmer cheese on the kitchen table. Uh, I in my first maybe six years, seven years, I grew. My grandparents lived with us, or we lived with our, my grandparents, and. Uh, and there was always farmer cheese. So this all adds up with the Ukrainian heritage and the... Yeah, it just stayed out on the table and, and they put it on everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. Eggs, toast, uh, in pierogies. Everything had farmer cheese and cereal. No. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't put it past them. So I, so I set about to, to bake this recipe and um, it called for orange zest and vanilla beans it called for 
margarine or butter. Olya said that everyone in Ukraine got used to the deprivation back in the day when they couldn't get butter and they just got used to cooking with margarine. I don't even know where to buy, like, do they even have margarine? Do they make it anymore? I used butter and I made the dough and I'll be honest with you, it looked, smelled, and tasted unappealing. Oh, how disappointing. And I began to worry that it wouldn't be yummy. So as a backup, I also made Dory's dough because that one had an egg yolk in it, which Olia's did not. And I thought that just might hold it together better. Yeah, right, and so if you look at the forward. recipes, they're quite different in the amounts of flour. Uh, mm-hmm. and, like and you can find those on our Facebook group site, all the recipes that you've used for this. And oh, and by the way, uh, just in the history note, I wanted to know where farmer cheese originated. Okay. And this is probably the best piece of history we have ever found. Ever? Ever. According to cheesemart.com. <laughs> that great source of all things cheese. We love a good reference. <laughs> farmer cheese originated on farms. <laughs> Come on, Chris. <laughs> As a way to use milk left over after skimming the cream for butter. So it, it was just ubiquitous everywhere. You know, every, yes, and every I think farm if you go... in the world has had some type of cheese that is basically farmer's cheese. And they might have different names for it. Like different countries call it quark or yeah. sear. Like there's just, it's, it's all variations on a theme. Yeah. Okay, so I had to chill the dough. So then the next day I was going to bake the cookies and I was on a a dog walk with my friend Sarah and mentioned that I was going to be baking cookies and would like company. And Sarah gamely agreed. Little did we know at the time that Sarah would become instrumental to the completion of the Goosefoot cookies. So ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome my friend, Dr. Sarah Reif-Hecking. Oh, just call me Sarah. Thanks so much for having me. What a blast. Welcome. Welcome. You've captured Sarah all this time. (laughs) She started offering to bake cookies with you, and now you have her trapped in a a secret room in your house. (laughs) No, we had to go to her house. Oh, no. Because my oven broke. Oh, tell us more. What happened? Did you start like baking them at your house? So this is what happened. So we started, so we took the dough balls out of the fridge and the first dough, Olia's dough was so dry. I didn't know what to do with it. So Sarah took over. Sarah, what did you do with that lump of dough? It was similar to a dough that I use for sugar cookies, right? So I was like, oh, it's kind of dry and cold because it was refrigerated So we plunked it down on a a board and then started rolling it out and it was sticking to everything. So what I've done in the past is take a piece of parchment paper or even like saran wrap or something and put it on top. So when you're rolling, it's not all stuck all over your rolling pin. And we just kind of manhandled it until it warmed up enough and we got it flat enough. But I think it is a little disconcerting to start out with because it's sort of you feel like, is it ever going to stick together? And then it starts to stick together and it sticks to your rolling pin. So you feel like, what am I doing? Sounds like one of the most tough doughs we've uh, we've had to work with. Meanwhile, I took the other dough and it rolled out much more easily and it was quite sticky and we proceeded. So Sarah's dough called for four inch circles. My dough called for three inch circles. We punched out the circles. We then... With a cookie, with a cookie cutter? Um, Sarah had a Pyrex a glass. glass bowl and I yeah. had a broken measuring cup. <laughs> 
We had See, to measure them. So this is you, the thing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because right. you know, but you get a recipe and it's a three inches, a four inch, it's a whatever. And you you don't always have those. So we just went around and figured out what we had in Jill's kitchen. Very and also good. Sarah right. and I, and I'm not sure how much you do this, Chris, because I know you're like you feel more, I think, liberated in the kitchen than I do. Sarah and I both want to do exactly the directions the very first time we try to make something. So if it said four inches or three inches, we thought that that would affect, you know, other things down the line, cooking time, whatever. Right. OK. Yeah. No, I think on Cookie Lab, when I'm baking, I try to stick to the recipe unless I think it doesn't make any sense. And mm-hmm. then I'll, then I'll veer. But mm-hmm. yeah. And baking is the most sort of exact science of all right. forms of cooking, I think. OK. So then we go to bake, and my my stupid oven, which I have mentioned on Cookie Lab before, it preheats and lies to you and makes, and you know, it gets to the 350, but then it doesn't continue to warm. So when we opened it to put the, yeah, so when we opened it to put the cookies in, even though the outside of it said 350, it was clearly not 350. We tried a few more times, and then we were like, that's it. We got to go. And we went to Sarah's house with our trays of cookies. Wow. Sarah Sarah called her husband and asked him to preheat the oven because we were on the way. We're on the way. We have a dough emergency. Cookie emergency. Cookie how, emergency. Sarah, Woo-hoo. how long did this take? Like like what was your time commitment? Are they are they eight minute baking cookies? Are they an hour? They're they're twenty five <laughs> to forty minutes depending oh my on God. the recipe. And we had to work in dinner there too. And okay. also, we had to do a lot of complicated math, Chris. Like we had two different and we could only put in one pan at a time. We didn't Right, because the recipe the said bake and you one, had double one batch the pans at a time. Because mm-hmm. you and were the two cookies baked at the same temperature at least? Yes. Oh, they okay. were. Okay. So we had to do one more thing to them. We had to dip them in sugar. Mm-hmm. It, w- it was a circle. Dip it in sugar, fold it with sugar inside. Dip it again, fold it again, always with the sugar inside. So it, that is why they are called goosefoot cookies. They are, have this cute, cute, rounded, triangle-folded shape that you could imagine looks a little bit like the, a goosefoot. Yeah, and absolutely. Olia Hercules calls them cheese curd cookies, which is why it took me a while to find her recipe when I was Googling goosefoot cookies. Okay. Wow. What an exciting story. I applaud you for your perseverance. We persevered, and we ended up with a bunch of great-looking cookies. The the Olia Hercules ones, which Sarah manually f- sugared and folded, are large, because they were the four-inch circles. And Dory Greenspan's are... A little smaller and um, didn't contain really anything zippy like orange zest or vanilla bean. So we've got two cookies that look a little different and I predict they're going to taste a little different. Are you ready? Yeah. So the authentic Ukrainian one has orange zest and vanilla bean and the uh, Dory Greenspan one does not have those extra flavors. Right. And she says at the end of her newsletter about this that... You could, you could then experiment with some things like that. But since that wasn't in the recipe where she listed the ingredients, I did no experimentation. They're presumably more plain. I think we also have to say out loud, Jill, that when we smelled the two doughs, one of them, we were like, I don't know if that's going to taste like anything yummy. Yeah. And wasn't it, wasn't it the one with the orange zest that we thought that about? Yes. 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 One... Yes, we we were like, I don't know if this is going to end up tasting like a cookie or just or weird. Yeah. yeah, it yeah. it looked, tasted, it looked and smelled like it wasn't going to be yummy. 
Chris is Chris is smelling his cookies over there. I am now his, smelling my cookies in his laboratory, and uh, my smellometer tells me that they smell pretty identical. They both smell like yummy, delicious, buttery cookies. They smell like you want to eat them. I gotta say, I my mouth is maybe watering, it's time. Jill. Maybe yeah. it's time. Let's go. Okay. Okay. So what should we eat the first? Music. We're doing the, the oh, big yeah. ones first. Are the big ones first. Okay. Ah. Authentic. Authentic. Yeah. Oh my god, it's delicious. Good. Aren't they good? Mm -hmm. They're soft and the orange zest is very zesty. It really is. It's a great flavor. I'm so pleasantly surprised. It's very buttery and the the cheese adds a density that is the chewiness is kind of pleasing. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. so I'm so pleased because the, I just think you never don't judge a book by its cover and don't judge a dough until you have baked it into a cookie. Well, and also this dough we had to put back in the refrigerator. And since I'm a little bit of a study up gal, I listened to one of your chocolate chip cookie recipes where you it's you put it in the refrigerator for like 36 hours or something. Yeah. Oh, and develop flavors. So I, yeah. So I was wondering on the science side, if after we fold it and then we re put it in the refrigerator, you know, it cools it and the flavors kind of can get better or something. I don't know. Well, I Could think be. that you also refrigerated them overnight the day before. Right. So that okay. I think is the time that it takes to develop the flavors. I think that what we have learned is that if you put your cookie dough into the oven and it's very cold, it's not going to spread as much. Mm. Yeah, so perhaps that's why these Olea Hercules goose feet look just like goose feet and the Dory Greenspan ones look a little bit more like blobs because they didn't get chilled. They got the dough chilled overnight, but they, we didn't chill them before baking. Well, and we had to like move them three miles down the road. <laughs> I know, it's not necessarily a, a great laboratory experiment on a donkey yeah we should we should we should put you know put that into our recipe notes like then put your cookies into a car and drive them across town yes. <laughs> it helps with the flavor if you want the exact experience <laughs> order some mexican food and uh, yes. have a fine chablis <laughs> can we taste the second cookie sure okay Yuck. <laughs> right? So, no, I wouldn't say yuck. I like it. It's completely different. I agree. It's more like a traditional kind of butter cookie, kind of. I will have to say, I'm looking at it, and it's sort of puffy and flaky in there. Yeah. And the other one is as well, but this one seems more so. And maybe it's because it's smaller, and I don't know, maybe Jill was more adherent to rolling it out thin or something. But um, I agree. It's a little, it's a little flakier, and you can listeners taste, taste the, no, no, you can taste the zing of the farmer's cheese in this. Mm -hmm. Oh, see, I was gonna say, listeners, this cookie tastes like nothing. Oh no, because I, after the after I'm coming off the high of the of the orange zest, and I purchased Trump. organic oranges for this project because. Whenever anything calls for lemon zest or orange zest, I just feel like I'm out there with my microplane and isn't it all covered with wax or something? Mm -hmm. So right. I thought if I use these oranges that are carefully bagged in a net bag and don't have any preservative wax on them, the orange zest or will be better. And I, or th things. Yeah. I think it is. All right. I'm going to try to taste the tang of the farmer cheese 
in this version. Would it would it be good, I'm wondering, to do it up a little more savory, like put some some herbs in there? I like it. I like it just the way it is. But um, you can definitely play with the flavor profile of it. I would say it's a dough that's that could take a lot of different flavors, Mm -hmm. whatever makes you happiest. And if you wanted to make it more savory, that would be very easy to do. Um, I appreciate the comment about the zing, Chris, because I attribute the zing to the orange zest in the bigger cookie. Mm -hmm. But you're right. It may be the combination of both. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that, yeah. I think I lost the farmer cheese flavor. The texture was there, but I don't think I had the farmer cheese flavor in the authentic Ukrainian cookie. Well, I have only love for Dory Greenspan, but if I did this again, I would I would do some of the things that she says at the end that yeah. will make it more similar to the It would be Olea interesting to put, to put a little, your vanilla bean. You used vanilla. Yeah. You yeah. used actual vanilla beans this time. Yeah. I, I bought a vanilla bean and I had to take out a second mortgage on my home in order to do so. <laughs> Between the organic oranges and the vanilla bean that cost $18. Um, For one vanilla bean? Yeah. And, no. And, yeah. Wow. So if there was deprivation in Ukraine and they couldn't even get butter, I don't know how they were getting. They were not getting. I mean. Were they growing vanilla beans in their backyard? I don't think they're native. I think Olia has gotten all fancy living in Great Britain. Yeah. <laughs> no, she is totally, totally salt of the earth. <laughs> and one of salt British of Vogue's earth. 25. Salt and one of, of British earth. Vogue's. Surrounded by, by vanilla beans and oranges. <laughs> Organic oranges. <laughs> Organic oranges. No, that was me. You guys, you got to check out Olia on Instagram. She has beautiful food photos. She is beautiful herself, and the work that she's doing to help her homeland is, is wonderful. I've now gone back and tasted the... Yes, I saved a fragment OG myself as well. Ukrainian cookie. Mm-hmm. I, I just think they're different. I can't say they're that I different. like one better than the other. Uh, I like them both. Another fun thing I did for the Dory dough... The Dory dough... She had me grate this. Sh- so Olia wanted the butter to be softened. Dory wanted it to be very cold. She said she froze hers, which I didn't do. And she said to grate it with the coarse mm-hmm. holes of a ch- of a cheese grater. So I got these wonderful little shredded cheese. Yeah. But it wasn't cheese. It was butter. Yeah. And I thought, oh, this is going to be great in this texture of this dough. That's a great way to incorporate your butter. Like, I think you do that if you're making a puff pastry, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is sort of like that. She wanted that to be, she wanted it to be like a puff pastry. Mm -hmm. Well, it does have that look to it. You know, it has a little bit of that. Yeah. And it's got a little bit of the caramelization on the bottom. That's why you have to keep the sugar inside because you don't want it to burn, but I said to Sarah, I think this is going to have grilled cheese vibes. Does it have any grilled cheese vibes to you guys? Oh, interesting. From the farmer cheese? It does look like a caramelization of sugar on it. I can see the shininess rather than the milliard uh, reaction. But I well, think we've got a little milliard going on the top. And we did put egg egg wash on the mm-hmm, top. Mm-hmm. And that is yes, we egg wash them. Because don't you need mm. those proteins for yeah. that? You you need proteins and and the cheese has so much protein in it as well. So, so let's talk about let's are we ready to talk about this amazing miracle food the farmer, farmer cheese? cheese? Yes, yes, the science of it. So I think that it's seen as one of those superfoods because it is one of the cheeses that is fermented rather than have a bacteria 
added to it or a rennet added to it. You take whole milk and you take buttermilk and you mix them together and you just let the natural yeasts and bacteria in the air ferment these. And the fermentation process raises the pH in the milk mixture and you leave them out at room temperature for about 24 hours. Yes, in fact, the Olea recipe includes instructions for making your own farmer cheese, which I thought I might attempt, but it calls for raw unpasteurized milk, which I think is illegal to sell in Massachusetts. So I said, I'll just buy the tub of farmer cheese. Yeah, you have to know a farmer. You can do it with organic whole milk. Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe I'll try it sometime. That will work as well. And full fat buttermilk. And so... What happens is as the acidity rises in the milk, the casein proteins denature, as we've talked about before. They start out as a real big tangled bracelet, remember? Like a big beaded bracelet of proteins. Yes, exactly. And pH activates some enzymes that are naturally in there in the milk and it breaks them apart. And as they straighten out they're able to interact with one another and they form clumps. And we like to call those clumps curds. And that's how simple it is. So if you eat cottage cheese and it's like those balls, is that protein clumps? Yep. Yeah. It's it's clumps of, of denatured casein. There are several different types of casein and we could do a, an entire podcast on just the science of milk. It's 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 an amazing amazing food. Yeah, so it's it's specifically the K casein that uh, curdles in the milk. And it just does it because of the bacteria fermenting uh, the milk and the and the yeast that's in there fermenting the milk and raising the pH. It's as simple as that. Now, is that bacteria the probiotic bacteria that doctors say is good for your gut? Yes. So the farmer cheese has tons of protein and the bacteria that are good for your gut. Yeah. And and it also is high in calcium, high I believe. High in calcium, too. So, uh, And it has no carbs. There's no carbohydrates. I mean, it's, it's high in fat. <laughs> so... That was the question I was about to ask. Like, okay, so so we've got the protein, we've got the probiotic. Is it also high in fat? Which which we know um, is and is not an issue all at the same time, right? So um, having the healthy fats and having some fat in your diet is not a bad thing as long as it's not too much. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You know, putting a little bit of farmer's cheese on your avocado toast in the morning. Oh, that sounds nice and fresh and delicious. Wouldn't be a bad thing with a little bit of orange zest from your organic oranges. (laughs) (laughs) So, Sarah, thank you so much for helping to make these cookies. It was... um, it was a pleasure seeing you and a pleasure eating them. Well, thanks to Jill for like in for the invitation. And then, you know, who doesn't share an oven when one is needed? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and my my next my as soon as I log off the Zoom, I'm going to call the appliance shop and get a repairman out for my oven. Yes. Because how can I be how can I be a cookie podcaster without a working oven, exactly. let alone feed my family? Exactly. And and you should always have a kitchen full of cookies and 
and now you've just got a, a couple. So when everybody gets home, you'll have to say, keep your paws off my cookies. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. So uh, next week, we have a listener question that we are going mm -hmm. to answer. We've talked a lot about different types of syrups. And, and sweeteners. And sweeteners. So we are going to we're going to talk about maple syrup. Maple syrup next week on. Well, that's something we all know about, but we're going to find out more. All this week, I'm going to be squeezing the maple trees trying to get some syrup. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, thank I'm you. I'm sure you'll find all kinds of surprising and useful information. Uh, yes, next week on Cookie Lab. Stay tuned. Bye-bye, Sarah. Bye-bye, Chris. Bye! It's Cookie Lab.